Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more robotic than our future umpire crew. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Smorka. Do you think we come off as robotic? <laughs> yes. Okay. Beat, beat boop. Uh, and this week, we are going to be discussing some of the recent roster moves. We're going to take a look into the minor leagues and talk about some outstanding performances. We're going to do a deep dive on Nolan Gorman's success. And we're going to talk about the upcoming series against the Guardians and the Royals. Tweet us at talk about birds. Ambone, how you feeling today? How's uh how's life treating you? Um, it's okay. Yeah. Um fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I uh I have officially signed up uh our daughter for baseball. She is entering oh. she is entering uh competitive sports. Well, it's not competitive, you know. Yeah. I Entering team sports, I think is yeah, the way yeah. to put it. She's entering team sports for the first time. And uh, we've been playing baseball in the backyard. We've got this like plastic bat and plastic ball. Oh, I'm aware. And, I've, I've struck your daughter out a couple of times. Yeah, pretty easy, Mark. But she is getting better, though. And yeah. uh, I, thought you, I thought you'd appreciate this. We were out playing the other day. And I stand like 10, 15 feet in front of her. And yeah. softly underhand the ball and you know she swings but she's been making a lot of improvements and something unlocked in, in between sessions because we were playing the other day and i'm like right there in front of her and i toss the ball and she cranks a line drive right back and hits me in the forehead <laughs> <laughs> uh, good for her yeah she was cranking them i was yeah. uh, pretty surprised it was like when- before I, I don't know it was a big step forward when you got hit in the face uh, after mm-hmm. she, you know, destroyed your, you know, 30 mile an hour pitch or, or whatever your weak uh, arm like could four, muster up. Maybe like four miles per hour softly <laughs> under. <laughs> under Did she show any remorse or is she like you and she doesn't really feel that? Uh, the, uh, it was actually surprising. She charged the mound screaming time to finish the job. Oh, uh, my so, goodness. Yeah. Wow. It was, uh, yeah. It was pretty well, horrible. I mean, that falls in line with your. You know, yeah, the whole thing you got going on. Mm-hmm. It's the Heineken lack, lack of feeling, <laughs> lack of yeah. empathy is learned, Nathan. And you, mm-hmm. you, well, you are you. Yep. And I'm passing it down. Uh, no, she was actually, she felt really bad and apologized like 10 million times. I'm like, no, that was on me. I should have caught it. You should have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just was like, I have not been mentally preparing myself for the ball to come back at me in any meaningful way. And so you know, from then on, I was well, a little bit. Hey, just a like little, a pitcher of the big leagues, that happens. You got to wipe that out of your memory. Pretend it never happened. You can't, yeah. can't go on that mound scared, especially from a, a tiny little girl. So <laughs> I'm uh, never going to recover from this. <laughs> you seem shook. They're asking for uh, volunteers to coach the the kids team. And I'm like, after what I've been through. Yeah. You know, well, you should show up and explain that. I, I, you know, what? that's a good point. 
I, I'm gonna I need to make sure every parent understands why I'm not uh, coaching. Uh, I actually like the idea of you being a coach, but really just sitting there with an iPad showing them their numbers and saying like, <laughs> "Here's where we need to improve." Your exit velo is trash. You keep hitting the ball on the ground. It might look bad, but your BABIP is actually quite high uh, or quite low. So we're 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 due some for some uh, regression here at some point. Uh, yeah, that's my impression of me. <laughs> just to say that. It just sounded like you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what the kids need. Yeah. Yeah, and you but, you just ooze charm and leadership, so I think the kids <laughs> will latch on to that. I have not signed up to be a coach for this team. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited. Yeah. It'll be fun. It's our first yeah. team sport, and, you know, baseball obviously seemed like a, a pretty clear choice. And, yeah. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Practice starts in a couple of weeks and it's like there there's games pretty quickly. Uh, so should be fun. I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, you know, screaming at umpires, uh, yep. getting thrown out of games. Yep. Things like that. Yeah. When you become a father, that's, that's what happens, right? You, you become really cool and, uh, scream at strangers who are making uh, five bucks a game. It's my right. No, this uh Great excuse point. me, this is a volunteer only <laughs> league too. Oh, okay. So. okay. <laughs> um yeah, I I'm I'd be out there as a volunteer coach being like, uh sorry, what'd you say? I was looking at Tears of the Kingdom still on my <laughs> on my Switch. Um wow, that's topical. <laughs> Are you playing Tears of the Kingdom? No, not yet. Yeah. It's good. People New love splash. it. It's it's a good game. Zelda, Link, the whole gang. What else do you need? They're they're all there. Beatles back. Um, Ganondorf. Ah, uh, uh, you know Impa. Who else? Um, uh, we got Sheikah Slates. We got uh, shrines. I mean, it's all there. What more wow. do you want? Wow. No, yeah, not <laughs> playing it yet. Um, not really playing anything right now. I have like uh, real responsibilities and and things that people rely uh, on me for. So I've been focused on you know that kind of thing recently. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's a great yeah. game. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about baseball. Um, so, how do we want to start? Well, there's been a uh, a few movements recently. A couple familiar faces uh, that have. Uh, have returned to the team that we've been uh, unexpected, but excited about. Uh, but first, Ben, again, the Paul yep. DeYoung apology tour continues. How are you feeling about Paul DeYoung uh, right now uh, after another week of, of whatever it is that he's doing? So do you want, do you want my real response or my, my jokey response? Uh, I have a difficult time discerning between the two most of the time. Yeah. So I, why don't you tell me which one you're giving me and then and then give it. We this podcast always knew that Paul DeYoung would bounce back. This we always podcast knew always knew that he had it in him. We always knew that it, it wasn't a mental adjustment. It wasn't anything going on. It was just he just had to change the way that he stood and subtract a leg kick. And we knew that that would be the launch pad to not mm-hmm. only revitalize Paul DeYoung's career, but to launch him back into the all-star caliber year after year, steadfast solution for the St. Louis Cardinals at shortstop. And here we are, we are witnessing greatness. Um, 
he's ta- it only took him a few years, but at 29, he has now tapped himself back into being a top five, top 10 shortstop in baseball. Um, and, and I, I'm just glad that we were able to keep a level head and, and yeah. see, you know, through the, uh, the storm, uh, what was going to be, you know, here on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I think, and I think you agree with everything I'm saying, right? We, we absolutely. Yeah. It was just a matter of time. We've been, we've been saying this from the beginning and we've always yeah. been right. Right. Never take an L. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about like some of his stats and why, you know, we've, why we're so confident that he's always good and forever will be good again. And we should extend Paul Young. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I don't, I still don't buy it. I still don't buy it. Not even for a second. Um, I think he has put together a nice streak. Um, I think he has actually made a real adjustment, which is great. Um, but the league is coming. The league will adjust. Um, I don't think he's all of a sudden figured out how to be the best baseball player he's ever been in this Time. I will say um, his play at shortstop has been a nice thing to observe. We He's steady Eddie there, right? He makes all yeah. the plays. You never worry about the throwing accuracy. Um, he he kind of has this weird way about it of playing shortstop, least flashy, most efficient way um, you know, we've ever seen or really that I can ever remember. Um, I think the one thing that is pretty interesting about this run is that he is not striking out a ton while providing power. So there, there is a real change here. There is something that has really moved the needle. Um, but my concern, and I think, um, something that we should all keep in the back of our heads is how long it took Paul DeYoung to make this adjustment, how quick the league is about to adjust to him, um, and to see if he can make that next adjustment. And I, um, you know, having, uh, three and a half ish years of watching Paul DeYoung not make those changes, um, with hundreds and hundreds of bat at bats in between those, I- I'm, you know, you got to show me, I- I'm just not going to buy it just yet. Uh, all that being said, this has been great. Um, yeah, it, it is, it, it's kind of. Well, especially we'll talk about Tommy Edmond later. Tommy Edmond's hitting right now and playing great defense as well. And I would still take Tommy at short over Paul DeYoung. Um, but I think the, the same problems always exist with Paul DeYoung is he lacks versatility. Um, he doesn't have a platoon advantage unless it's righty righty, which is whatever. Um, so he kind of gums up the works in general, but it's hard to complain about a guy that's playing really well for the Cardinals right now. Yeah, as it stands, he's having uh, it, the the best period in his career. Um, uh, you know, his his weighted on base average WOBA is four eighteen, uh, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, and some of the underlying metrics do seem to imply that like he's not getting lucky right now. Um, his expected batting average is two sixty eight. And his expected slugging is 533. And his expected weighted on base average is 381. So, you know, he he's definitely outperforming the a little bit. Uh, but even the expected numbers are looking good, which is not surprising. Like when you're watching him, he's hitting the ball hard. He's not yep. striking out. He's doing everything that a good Paul DeYoung does. Uh, but like you said, and and like we've been saying before, We've seen this from Paul DeYoung a number of times. This is why he's still on the Cardinals. Uh, it's He's got steady shortstop defense. And 
when he is clicked in, when he's locked in, he's a, an incredibly effective offensive player. The question is the longevity of it. Right. Uh, generally speaking, we get this for a period of time and then the wall, the wheels fall off and he, everything just collapses. Uh, so it's going well now though. And with that, with that defense, like, I guess you just ride it as long as you can. Like he should be starting every day. Like he should be the starting shortstop with how he's playing. So I, I don't even have any problems with it. I just hope that we talked about this last week. I hope that, uh, well, I hope that he can keep it going. Obviously, that's my first hope. Like it, the team is so much better with what he's been doing. Um, but if he can't, like, let's make sure we're not digging. Uh, like, we're not leaning in too hard when he is struggling. Like, give him the days off, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. Send him back to AAA for a month because that seems to <laughs> <laughs> reset him pretty pretty regularly. Yeah, and I don't want to come off as like a you know pessimistic and undercut what he's doing, but just I think before everyone starts anointing him as as the future as the truth, he is yet to he is at twenty five games played. He does not have a hundred plate appearances in the big leagues this year yet. Right. Um, like amazing things can happen in a short period of time in baseball, um, yeah. and it happens to be going his way, and that's really great, and it benefits the Cardinals in a big way in a big real way um but yeah i'm just not ready to anoint like i said anything yet and count my chickens and and so on and so forth you know well let's talk about wilson Contreras some more uh last week with uh daniel we spent a while talking about how much we love the the energy and the like gamesmanship that uh, Wilson Contreras brings uh, that we'd really been seeing lately. And we got another great story about Wilson Contreras' gamemanship over this last week when um, I believe it was Max Muncie yeah. uh, in an interview was complaining that the umpires were being inconsistent, uh, which is not any news to anyone, but they were being uh, inconsistent because he felt like they were being bullied by the Cardinal uh, catching staff. He didn't name Wilson Contreras directly, but it, it's obviously he said the catcher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He might as might as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, a lot of things like stood out to me on this one. I, I love Wilson Contreras just like chirping at the umpire. I've always heard that they don't really do that because, you know, it goes both ways and you don't really want to get, uh, get them bad at you when your team, you know, when you're up to bat. But um, I think it's pretty funny. Uh, And then I think it's probably unlikely that it had any real impact on the umpire. They're just inconsistent. But I like the other teams getting mad at at Wilson Contreras. Well, (laughs) certainly that's got to be blowing up the the at bat (laughs) a little bit. It's like the kid in the sandlot, you know, being like, oh, that was a strike. Oh, that was a ball swing, you know, just like chirping at the batter while they're at the at the plate is is funny yeah it's just like i don't know the implication that wilson Contreras can change the way an umpire is calling the game by simply saying something um is is kind of yeah. funny to me and max clearly just frustrated he had a bad weekend lots of strikeouts and he's uh you know he's got a great eye he's he's routinely posts one of the best walk rates in baseball uh when he's healthy and going 
Um, so I get where the frustration is coming. But yeah, this like implication that Wilson has this like superpower that can allow umpires to change their perceived strike zone is just kind of amazing. And uh, I don't know, it was weird even or is added or sorry, what added to the weirdness of that interview was that Max Muncy was like calm and measured when uh, talking to reporters. It's not like he was about to fly off the handle. He was just he was matter of fact about it. Um and then drop something insane. So I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just yeah. wanted to call that out and good for Wilson. Yeah. I mean, people are people. He might've impacted the, the umpire, yeah. like the umpire might've had a moment of doubt and the pitch is coming so fast, you know, like he might have, right. Um, it's just well, funny to like get mad at it. Uh, yeah. at, mad at the catcher. Like if anything, yeah, he's mad at right. the umpire, Yeah, you know? Yeah. The catcher's doing his job. Yeah. Um, we were kind of talking about this in the bird court a little bit earlier today, but there are a bunch of new umpires this year, a bunch of yeah. umpires who are not super seasoned. Um, and I don't remember exactly who was calling that game, but I do wonder if there's a little like, okay, we got Wilson Contreras. He's, you know, he's a veteran is an 80 plus million dollar guy. He's yelling at me. This is my first uh, month of the bigs. Ooh, maybe he, yeah. you know, he, he don't get mad sp- at me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but anyways, I say, uh, you know, good on Wilson, you know, fight for your fight for your guy, fight for your strike and get max yeah. out of there. It was an important yeah. call too. I mean, the, you know, the Cardinals had a great series against the Dodgers. Um, so yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, we, we always talk like the way we do these episodes, we talk in sort of like broad strokes, but it is, it, it's worth taking a moment to, to say like the Cardinals won three of four from the Dodgers. Like what a great series that was um, coming in as like the hottest team in baseball. It was, that was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this turnaround, um, the season is, is really starting to feel more real and yeah. uh, we'll talk about it later, but the Cardinals have a stretch against, uh, some not great teams, which is a welcome change from how the majority of the schedule has been so far. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's kind of a cliche that we've seen with the Cardinals that I think probably every team experiences to some degree, but it always feels like we play really well against the good teams and then struggle against the, the mediocre teams. Um, but if this team is going to really dig itself out of the hole and make a play at the, uh, at the, at the central, which is really their best chance of making the playoffs, like they need to run up some wins against these bad teams in this yeah. next month, uh, had a disappointing game against the reds. Uh, but then came back pretty well the next night. Uh, so we'll see how the rest of that series goes. But um, anyway, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the other things that have happened over the last week. So just as we predicted, uh, we all saw it coming. Oscar Mercado uh, starting <laughs> outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. Of course, um, it's exactly the way Mazalek and Co. Uh, you know planned it out that we would have them. Uh, they would have them. Sorry, someone. During one of the games, you know, someone said, uh, like one of the broadcasters was like, hey, if you if you had said during the offseason, uh, you know, that in May, our starting outfield would be uh, like Juan Yapez, Lars Newtbar and Oscar Mercado, what would you say? And my immediate was response was, well, that sounds like a last place Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what it is. Um, but you know, obviously we're, we're being more hopeful than that, but obviously not what the intention was that said, I mean, the Mercado story has been fun. You know, he's playing well. 
He's got some energy behind him and who doesn't love a, a, a like a, a revival story, right? Like Mercado was at one point, one of our more re- well-regarded prospects and he was traded and now he's back. You know, it's been kind of fun. I wish that he didn't have to be one of our starters, but uh, he's playing well while he's in there. And I mean, you know, if the Cardinals are going to be trading from outfield depth, this makes that easier. Uh, whether yeah. like I would doubt or I'd be more surprised if Oscar Mercado was part of a trade. But if you have a guy that can be your fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder or, you know, whatever role that Oscar Mercado takes and you're trading away Alec Burleson and another person for a starting pitcher or whatever it might be, this makes you feel a lot better about that. Maybe Oscar Mercado is somehow going to be repackaged in a trade to the Guardians for Shane Bieber. Um, and it's going to be this really <laughs> oh weird, bizarro world situation. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, like seeing Oscar Mercado, you know, he's only 28. He's come up, immediately contributed, stolen a couple of bases. That's great. That's this is a guy that you can plug in. This makes your team deeper. This makes a trade more likely or more possible. Um, And yet, like the Wanya Pez thing, I love Wanya Pez. He just should be an infielder, a corner infielder or a DH. And I watching him in the outfield is not fun. Thank God he has that absolute cannon of an arm to sort of make up for some of his, uh, you know, um, (laughs) inability to track a fly ball uh, efficiently. But uh, yeah. It's not like I, I don't look at Juan Yepes starting in the outfield as like a oh shit we what have we done? It's more of a th- this isn't how we drew it up, and especially with the injuries and everything like that, it, it makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, Juan Yepes I think is one of the better bats that we have on yeah. the, on the roster, um, and I like him in the lineup. It just it is a little rough having him out there uh, crushing it and left field and but it's all an extension of like the Paul DeYoung problem which if Paul Paul, there's all like good problems right Paul DeYoung is crushing and he's a good shortstop so he's our starting shortstop okay so that moves Edmund to second base but Gorman is maybe the biggest breakout player like in the NL this year so we're gonna talk about him in a minute and he plays two positions second base or DH so okay well crap okay so now we'll move Edmund I guess to left field or right field and then you know it's just like this weird log jam of like hot or semi-hot players um that just results in these really awkward lineups uh that reinforces what we've been saying and everyone has been saying for quite a while is that you need to trade for a starting pitcher it's yeah as evident now as it as it has been since November of 2022 uh, this turnaround is not on the backs of the pitching. The pitching is uh, the starting pitching is basically as bad as it was in April. It has been <laughs> equally bad in May. It feels yeah. better because we're winning games, but almost every stat that every meaningful stat from a pitching staff uh, is basically the same from the winning yeah. streak to the losing streak. We are not seeing an improvement to the starting. What we're seeing is an improvement uh, significantly to the offense, which is what we had been hoping for. Right. right. And like Gallegos has been elite and Helsley has been really good. Um, you know, I'd say that we, the, the blow, the blown game two nights ago was also a big part of the zombie runner rule too, you know? So, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, let's talk about, um, Matthew Libertor. Finally Maybe. gets the, yeah. finally gets the call. 
Uh, we talked about it last week. He has a really good start against the Brewers division rival. Uh, he looking great. He's continuing uh, a, a total revitalization. Um, it's a new Libby. Looks like, you know, middle front of rotation type guy. And so, of course, naturally, our starting pitching is struggling. We have a young guy come up who's crushing it. Well, he should be in the bullpen, right? Right, Ben? That's where he belongs, I, right? I mean, take the wheel <laughs> on. Like, what What are we doing here? The only way this could possibly make sense is if it is coming from an inning innings management point of view, and they don't want to th- use too many of the Libertor bullets up early in the season, and they want to be able to ride him hard in the second half of the season. He is the maximum he's thrown in his big league career is 124 innings in a in a single season. Yeah. So, and, and that was coming off of the 2020 season where he didn't play. Um, so if it is from an innings management, if they want to keep them around the one thirty ish, one forty ish range, then this sort of makes more sense to me, but like taking a guy who's been starting all season comes up and starts, like you said, throws a, what we thought was a really solid start against your division rival and then putting him in the bullpen and completely messing up everything he's been working on or like kind of uh, uh, tossing to the side, everything he's been working on for the past two, three years. Like what are we doing here? And why are we being so precious with Steven Matz or pick another guy out of the hat? Why, like why can these guys not be moved? But Libertor, you're promising young lefty who took a big step forward. He's the one that catches the the short straw. Yeah. I don't understand it either. Or even Adam Wainwright continues to really struggle. There's like, Almost everybody in the rotation, I would say, could be moved inst- uh, behind Liberator. Yeah, um, but I, I I understand the Wayno thing, you know. But just for an example, um, yeah, and it's what we saw last year too. You know, he was called up, brought in as a starter, made a series of confusing bounces between the bullpen and the starting rotation, was never super effective, and then was sent back down, and it. You know, it's a little narratively, but it feels like that inconsistency and that lack of like, um, well, consistency. I I don't want to keep using the same word, but like, but yeah, I don't know. It seems like they're doing the same thing that he did not respond to well last year. And I don't know why, you know, we said six man rotation and then the next week it was like, no, never mind. He's back in the bullpen. Um, I do think you might be right that it's like an innings limit thing, but I'd rather see those innings like inning limit expressed via shortened starts than uh, a bounce between the bullpen and the rotation. Right. And the other thing that's confusing about this, and I'm not saying these two players are linked in any real way, but then what are we doing with Zach Thompson? Yeah. You know what? Like they're they're kind of on this like they they both provide a fairly similar skill set. One of them was ramped up to be a reliever. One of them was ramped up to be a starter, and we're having them like switch roles mid season in a way that hampers their development and contribution to the team immediately. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, explain that to me. It's almost like the Cardinals are bad at 
developing starting pitching. <laughs> like, you know, I, Zach I, Thompson was coming up. He's striking everybody out with that sweet fastball breaking ball. No, let's let's send him down, develop, make him uh, stretch him out to be a starter. He'll come up later. He'll save the team. Okay, we're going to bring up Libertor. Great start. Mm, we want you to do the Zach Thompson thing instead. What? Yeah. I wish we had like a decade of evidence that the team has struggled to <laughs> produce even a single meaningful starting pitcher. Do you think that <laughs> thought that we just talked about has happened in the front office? Or do you think they're just like, this is what we're doing? I I truly don't know at this point. It You know, I like to think that they uh, ha- know more than us and that there is like some, you know, beautiful reason <laughs> that we don't know why this is happening and we're just stupid. Yeah. Um, but it sure seems like a continuation of a pattern that results in guys never really landing in a single role, maybe being effective out of the bullpen for a little while and then falling yeah. out of major league baseball <laughs> or being traded to another team and becoming an ace. Ooh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I know that's not what you're suggesting, but if the Cardinals trade away any of their pitching talent to acquire anything, uh, I will be extremely mad yeah. about that. <laughs> well, let's check in on some injuries. Yeah. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, he faces a setback. It's rough. It's rough out there for Tyler O'Neill. Gets blasted by Masalek in a uh, in an interview also. So yeah. um, if you and- missed it, he basically said, like not getting injured is a skill that some people possess and others don't. Um, or like it was kind of like not being injured and also playing through some injuries is a thing that some people are capable of doing and others are not, which is a super mixed signal because there's also been times where players have played through injuries and then they've been blasted by the Cardinals for trying to play through uh injury. So uh, yeah, just the, Continued fantastic messaging from uh, from a front office uh, loaded with young talent. <laughs> yeah. And I think the problem is, is like, so what came out recently was there is no structural damage to Tyler O'Neill's back. So that means I think what Mosaic is trying to say is that like there's he is feeling discomfort and obviously enough discomfort to not play baseball. But there's nothing. There's not like a tear or a bruising or something like that. So yeah, he's I just so yoked out of his mind that if anything, you know, he's such a densely packed human that if anything isn't exactly right, I'm sure it feels horrible. I <laughs> like, I do wonder, like, <laughs> if you put him on a cheeseburger diet for a couple of weeks or something like that, if he would just start to feel better because like everything needs you, to loosen up a little bit. <laughs> you do need some fat on your body, like <laughs> yeah. people like. People aren't really designed to look like Tyler O'Neill. He obviously works extremely hard. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it is Tyler. I, I shouldn't be giving to, uh, Tyler O'Neill any fitness advice, period. But loosening up maybe on the <laughs> regimen, it doesn't seem like a bad idea at this point. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty interesting for them to say, like, there is no structural damage. So, yeah. like, you know, there's there's no injury here that is like truly impactful. So it's it's like, but also again, he's such a keyed up guy. Everything is so precise. Like you could understand why if he's not feeling a hundred percent, he's not able to perform at 
what he thinks is his level. So then he gets in his own head about it and thinks he needs more time away in order to get back to 100%. Whereas right. other guys will be like, Oh, I, you know, yeah, sure. My, my, I've got three fingers dangling uh, by a thread, but I can keep playing. Right. Yeah. Um, and well, and I, yeah, I wonder, maybe it's just simply a confidence thing. Maybe he needs to feel a hundred percent to feel confident and therefore perform. And somebody like, yeah, Nolan Arenado, who's diving on the dirt every single day, is like, yeah, I've played, you know, battered and bruised for years, and I'm still one of the best players in the league, and has that kind of built-in confidence. I don't know. I was just reading an article in the Athletic talking about Paul Goldschmidt getting his confidence from his routine that he doesn't even take live batting practice anymore because he knows as long as he does his workouts and stability stuff, he'll go hit 20 balls off the tee to loosen up, and that's all he needs. And I think it's different for every guy, and maybe, yeah. Maybe O'Neill needs a little bit more of that Goldie confidence than, you know, whatever is giving him uh, that that go feeling right now. I, I don't know. Obviously, we're speculating wildly about the psychology of somebody who we don't know. But yeah. you're trying to find the answer here. And I still believe in Tyler O'Neill. And I he just needs to get back out on the field, you know, as yeah. long as he's, you know, not in a situation where he can injure himself further. You know, he's got to be out there for the boys. He's yeah, got to do maybe, it for the boys. And maybe eat a carb now and then. I, I wonder if I wonder if Mr. Canada is a good dad. <laughs> can you be Mr. Canada and also be a good dad? I, I don't think you can be Mr. America and be a good get dad, but I think you can be Mr. Canada and still be a good dad. I think part of being Mr. America is being a bad dad. I think that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. That's actually a quality. Of, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yikes. All right, yeah. moving on. Dylan Carlson will uh, hopefully be back this week, uh, which is good. Hey, uh, he should be we... playing when this show uh, releases. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we're hopeful of that. Um, and then, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about some of the some things that are going on in the minors. Uh, the yeah. minor league season has been going on for quite a while now, so we're starting to get some interesting uh, developments. So, Ben, you want to uh, run through some of that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think we could do this quickly. I just kind of wanted to cherry pick some interesting performances that are happening in AAA and AA and, and just call them out because uh, maybe we'll see these fellas soon. Um, Luke and Baker has uh, maybe turned a corner. He is just absolutely demolishing in AAA right now. He's got a 315 batting average. 36 walks already, 14 home runs, which I believe, I forgot to look this up, I believe is either first or second in the International League as far as home run totals right now. Um, So he's just hitting out of his mind um, and giving Jordan Walker big hugs on camera and altogether being uh, solid. Um, So that is exciting. I don't know how and what shape Luke and Baker could could take to make the Cardinals team right now because we kind of have that guy. Um, but I would not be surprised if he is, uh, gets the call or, uh, again, possible trade bait at some point, right? As he's getting, that's a what bit I older. was thinking. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's hard to find a spot for anyone right now, let alone like a new name in that mix. Yeah. And maybe he's, you know, you clear out Juan Yepes or, or somebody like that. And he takes that spot. Who, who knows how yeah. the trade all works out. Um, Jordan Walker is starting to heat up over the last eight games. He's got 13 hits and he's starting to poke the wall, the ball over the wall, two home runs in the last three days. 
uh, four, three, four days, something like that. Very exciting to see. Um, he kind of went down and it was real slow and maybe, you know, in his head and working on the new swing and everything like that. But he's starting to turn back around and, and crush triple A pitching, which is, uh, obviously exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for him to come back up. But again, yeah. I might have to wait till a trade. I don't know. Um, I'm going to keep saying that over and uh, over this episode. Uh, Chandler Redmond is Luke uh, is Luke and Bakering at double A right now. <laughs> he is. What a what a sentence. Chandler Redmond is Luke. <laughs> Luke and Bakering. Luke and Bakering. Chandler Redmond is Luke and Bakering. Chandler That's Redmond it. is Luke and Bakering. Chad Chandler Redman is Lucan Bakering. Chandler Redman uh, is Lucan Bakering. Chandler Redman is Lucan Bakering. Chandler Redman <laughs> is Lucan Bakering. Um, okay. <laughs> in in double A. <laughs> um, he he has uh, sixteen homers already, mm-hmm. uh, and which is uh, leads the organization in home runs. Uh, let's go. And he is at 1019 OPS uh, right now. So we know he's a big dude. He is the one that hit the cycle of home runs. Um, yeah. And uh, he is he is hitting home runs like crazy, striking out a ton. But the power is real. Um, then also, there's not a ton to talk on the pitching side, but I did think it was relevant to bring up Michael McGreevy. Uh, a little while ago, he made the jump from double A to triple A. And after making that jump, uh, he has had a 3.07 ERA over five starts. Walks are a little bit up. Strikeouts are a little bit down after making that jump, but still super effective. Um, and, and you know, somebody who I'm really, really excited about. He is pitching. Yeah. If we see a little bit more improvement, would not be surprised, depending on Cardinals pitching health and what that all looks like, if he gets a spot start here or there, kind of just to either give somebody a break or come up for an injury or, you know, just to add an extra day for the rotation to rest. I would not be surprised. I think he is trending towards a very uh, likely uh, cup of coffee in, at the big league. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing him uh, develop more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that they need that. Like this new crop of starting pitcher prospects is going to be really telling to see if there is an actual sea change in Cardinal pitching development change uh like coming. Uh McGreevy, uh Graceffo, Hintz, Jerpy, all these guys from the last few years that uh are expected to be contributors at the major league level are starting to get to that point where they like a call up is in the cards. Uh so we'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's that's my little uh, minor league roundup. Some some cool cool things happening. Yeah, the Cardinals still have a good farm system. Yeah, you know it's it's a good group. So mostly on the positioning position player side, uh, but Hints is back and healthy and yeah. looking dominant still. So you know there's there's a fair amount of buzz around him, and I think it's only going to increase. A lot of people are projecting him to be one of the top pitching prospects in baseball by the end of this year, if not already, depending yeah. on who you talk to. Yeah, he's he's pitching well in high A right now. Uh, he's got four starts down there with uh, limited innings because of the injury, but uh, would not be surprised if he gets bumped up to double A here in the next couple yeah. of months. So pretty exciting. Cool. Well, uh, speaking of the farm system, uh, one clear win at this point from the Cardinal development one of the maybe one of the better wins that we've seen in quite a while is the progression of Nolan Gorman. Wow. Um, 
this is not news to anyone if you've been following the Cardinals this year. Uh, and we've definitely highlighted him. But at this point, especially what he's been doing the last two weeks against left-handed hitters, uh, he is looking like a complete package and a, and, a, and a true breakout star. So I thought it would be fun. Uh, about a month ago, we did a little bit of a like a stat cast deep dive on Nolan Arenado to try to dissect like what the problem was and how like what we were seeing. And um, uh, you know, that seemed to be well received. So I thought we'd do something uh, the, kind of the inverse here and dig in a little bit on what Nolan Gorman is doing differently from last year to really highlight or to really have this breakout. Um, before I do, Ben, your, uh, your like quick observation on Nolan Gorman, how are you feeling about the breakout? I, I, the patience is incredible. Um, I, I think that that's been the biggest takeaway for me is his ability to look for his pitch and his patience in, uh, counts where he has two strikes, um, has mm-hmm. been unbelievable. We've seen it a couple of times where he's been called out looking, um, but you know, as Goldie might say, it's about the process. The at bats are looking so good, um, which I, I think these numbers will probably illustrate to some degree. And then just something yeah. that I don't know if there's anything right now for the Cardinal or what, that the Cardinals are doing right now that is more aesthetically pleasing to me than seeing Nolan Gorman go the opposite way. Cause he just, he has this, it's such a powerful quick swing and it's almost looks like he's swatting it over the shortstop's head. And then it goes, you know, five rows back uh, <laughs> yeah. into left field. And there's just something. And I just love an oppo taco is really what it comes oh, yeah. down to. And his, his uh, of his variety are extra impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dig into some of the numbers uh, and your observation, uh, you know, is pretty bared out in these numbers. So uh, some high level stats, his walk percentage is a 12.3%. Uh, he wasn't bad at it last year at an eight not 8.9%, but still getting into that double-digit walk rate is when you really start to be aligned with some of the other elite plate approach guys in the league. Uh, I should say all the numbers I'm going to throw out here are me comparing Nolan Gorman from 2023 against Nolan Gorman from 2022. Uh it, with Arenado, we looked at career stats and it because it's a lot easier to compare someone's single year against their full career when they're 10 years deep. For Aaron or for Gorman, I just thought, let's compare what we saw last year in the big leagues against what we're seeing this year in the big yeah. leagues. Um, so little disclaimer there. So yeah, it was a uh uh 12.3% walk rate against 8.9%. So a little over a 3% increase. His K rate, uh, as you said, is down. He's at a 25.7% K rate, which feels still high uh, compared to some of our guys like, you know, Goldie and and like an Alec Burleson or whatnot. But for a power hitter, a 25% strikeout rate is absolutely manageable. Uh, it is even good uh, in a lot of ways. So Aaron Judge is striking out at a 30% rate right now. Yeah, exactly. Like 25.7 is pretty good. And compared to last year, 32.9%. So cutting his uh, strikeouts by almost 8%. Uh, it's a significant improvement. And really, those two numbers alone, increasing walk rate by 3% and decreasing strikeout percent by 8 is like 
enough to tell the story of the breakout right right in and of itself. But we're going to get a little bit deeper. So some surface level stats, though, um, you know, whenever you see someone like with great results uh, or bad results, one of the first things I always look at is BABIP. Can we explain this away with luck? And uh, it's batting average on balls in play. Nolan Gorman's current BABIP is a 337. So that is high. Uh, and last year he had a 301, but it's not an unsustainable high, um, or at least it's not out of the range of a guy with his profile. Typically right. speaking, people who have a high BABIP and are able to maintain it are one of two things. They are either very fast, so they're beating out all the little ground balls and and things that like other people might not have been able to turn into uh, a hit, or they hit the ball incredibly hard. So things that would have maybe been caught on the infield go right past the infielder before they have a chance <laughs> right. to, to uh, make a play at it, which is what we see out of Gorman. He's not a particularly fast guy, but he hits the shit out of the ball. So I don't think he has a consistent 337 uh babip in him to like for a, to sustain forever but he likely will sustain a higher than average babip with it with his approach so i say all that to say like he might be getting a little bit lucky with some of this uh some of this balls in play and you know we could probably expect some batting average regression um but it's not like he's getting wildly lucky in this situation. Um, so yeah, some surface level there. It looks pretty good. Uh, next look at weighted on base average. He has a, a, a truly elite 422 Ooh. uh Woba. And, uh, you know, for context, like anything over 400, you're in the elite yeah. camp, you know? Um, and he has a WRC plus of 172. So league average is 100. So he's 72% better than <laughs> league average at offense. Uh, and expected Woba, we're getting deep here. His expected Woba is a 405. So all of this to say is that this is real. The breakout is real. He's not getting it. He's not getting lucky. It's not cheap. Like what he's doing at the plate is turning into real results. And by all accounts, it looks real. And as long as he keeps his approach, this is the Nolan Gorman that we can expect. Um, so, yeah. And, like and how- just to add a little extra context to that, that puts him, as as far as ex-Woba is concerned, that puts him above of players like Juan Soto, Kyle Tucker, Bo Bichette, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Um, I mean, a ton of Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Jared Kelnick. How's he on this list? Um, but anyways, very exciting. Well, and he's 23, which is like yeah. the the crazy thing out of all this. He's so young. Um, so, you know, he will likely have his problems too. This is we're, we're saying this whole thing is about his approach and people will go in and out of their approach. But like the point of these high level stats is to say that this isn't like a fluke. His he, he is brought an approach to the plate and it's working. And as long as he can maintain it, he's, we should expect some very good results. Um, Getting a little bit deeper, uh, looking at his swing percentages, this really just puts uh, uh, some more definition to what we mean when we say he's being more patient. So his uh, 
O swing percentage. It's what how, what what percent does he swing at pitches outside of the zone? It's at a 26.6%. Last year, he was at a 34.2%. So big increase there on uh, swinging at pitches outside of the zone. That's a huge thing for not striking out. Those are the hardest things to hit, of course, and also drawing walks. That <laughs> makes sense. Uh, interestingly enough, his zone swing percent. So what are you swinging at? How? What percent are you swinging at balls inside the zone? Is also lower, but it's at a much higher 73.3%. Uh, whereas last year is at a 76.7%. And, and I think a, that can be, obviously it's a small change, but that can be illustrated by him laying off those high fastballs. Those are in yep. the zone. Those are strikes. But when he doesn't have two strikes, he's just not going to swing at them, which has helped huge. Yeah. So his overall swing percentage is down. So when you combine those two things, he has a 46% swing uh, percentage compared to last year a 50.8%. So almost a 5% reduction in just total swings. And then you throw in that his contact percentage is up to 71.9% from last year's 68.5. So put those together, he's swinging less, but when he swings, he makes more contact. That sure seems like a a good recipe for uh, (laughs) success. Yeah. Uh, And then Finally, and that's like really good advice for a lot of baseball players. Most baseball players swing too often and they could help their game out. Like Mike Trout is pretty good at this is reducing his bad or swings on pitches. He can't do damage on really the ideal approach is to swing at nothing except for meatballs down the middle. Obviously, (laughs) that's really easy to say and and almost literally impossible to do. But that is like, you know, if you're trending closer to that direction, that's when you're going to see jumps like this, what Nolan is is doing right now. Yeah, exactly. So the last thing I wanted to look at was pitch type. So uh, Fangraphs has an interesting stat, which is uh, pitch. It's pitch info, pitch values divided by 100. It basically tries to give you a value on a player's approach against certain pitch types. Um I'm not going to go into all of the specific numbers because I think they're kind of hard to like, you, you got to look at a lot of comparables to really understand like where he is against other people and what these mean, but they are pretty clear indicators of growth. So uh, if you're interested, uh, this is all in fan graphs. Everything I'm talking about is pulled from fan graphs. So last year he struggled really heavily against fastballs. Uh, and he also, um, struggled a little bit against curveballs. He's generally been a, like last year he could hit soft, he could hit off speed stuff, but he couldn't really hit fastballs. All right. The full thing has switched this year. He has made significant improvement against, uh, specifically, uh, cut fastballs, um, and sinkers he's made pretty big jumps against those. And then most of the time you would think, okay, so he's made the adjustment to, uh, he's better at hitting fastballs. So maybe he's now lost his ability to sit on the off speed. That's an exchange that some people will make. He's gotten better at that too. Uh, the, the biggest improvement uh, on this metric, at least he is now absolutely dominating curveballs. So he's catching up on the fastball 
and he did not lose his approach against standard off-speed like changeups, and he's crushing curveballs. Uh, so there's been essentially a improvements across the board, but I think the big one is that his ability to hit fastballs, uh, which we saw him get burned on all the time last year, has had a significant improvement. So he's got better pitch recognition. He's swinging less, drawing more walks, striking out less, and making harder and more consistent contact. Uh, probably all things that you could see just by watching the games, but, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I like this sort of data because it does reinforce that. Like there's a, there's a clear change to his approach and it's paying off. And as long as he can keep this steady approach and maintain this swing percent and this contact percent, uh, I think we're looking at a, a, a real consistent, uh, all-star here. Will yeah. it be this? 400 Woba forever, <laughs> you know, probably not, right? This is a per, like the league's going to adjust as well, right? Stop throwing the guy curveballs, right? Like they'll figure it out. But uh, point being, like, this is the type of progression that we actually normally see from highly regarded prospects. The like Julio Rodriguez coming out of the out of the gates, crushing it. Uh, the Acuna Juniors coming out of the league, crushing it like. That's fun and exciting. And I think, you know, we all want that. Of course, that's what we wanted out of Jordan Walker. That's what we wanted out of Nolan Gorman last year. Uh, but this, like having a almost a full year of struggling, taking the time off and coming back with a new approach and making that change and like stepping up is way more the standard progression for right. even elite players. <clears throat> Uh, look at Goldschmidt's first couple of years. Like there's all these examples of guys like this. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And this has been the, I think the most like positive development of the 2023 set 2023 season, like kind of by a mile, right? Yeah. If Nolan Gorman is, is anything at all close to what he's doing right now, like the Cardinal offense is, is set for a while, let alone <laughs> what, what a Jordan Walker looks like, or uh you know, if Paul DeYoung can keep it up or whatever, yeah. just yeah. Goldie Arenado Gorman is like is sick. <laughs> it's a very with with Lars at the top of that. That is a as yeah, good as a one through four as you can really ask for. It's Contreras awesome. after that. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, this is why we're winning these games right now. You know? So, yeah. So I, I want to just add a couple of notes that there are two players in baseball who are having better success against curveballs than Nolan Gorman. Uh, Shohei Otani is number two and Ronald Acuna Jr. is number one. So that's great company to be in. And I think, you know, what you're talking about as far as this is a real change, this is something that you can hang your hat on. Like what we know about patience is that first off, it's really difficult and it's something that normalizes in the season really quickly. While strikeout rates can go up and down, defensive metrics, BABIP, a lot of these stats can be a bit of a roller coaster. It's really not until the end of the season can you really count on it. And maybe even then there's more that you need to tell the story. Very, very rarely do people luck into becoming patient um, and you know, it would have to be some crazy, crazy, uh, uh, random circumstance that would allow that. So the fact like, obviously he can start striking out more, other things can happen, but the fact that he's displaying this skill so well and so early in the season is something to be very, very excited about. Yeah. What we have to hope for is that this is a skill that he, that he is locked into and we don't see a, uh, like a Tyler O'Neill type thing, because this is also the difference for Tyler O'Neill. When Tyler O'Neill is at his best is also when he's hanging back 
and and taking his pitches and and not swinging out of his shoes. And then when he is swinging wildly is when we see the 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 problems, right? So uh, this is the type of thing that sets uh, a like streaky high end player apart from a just like consistent masher. Right. All of the best hitters generally, not everyone, but generally speaking, all of the best hitters, patient is a way that you def- you describe them. Uh, you know, that, again, that's not across the board, but. I think you it's you, pretty much the truth. It's pretty much there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much there. Unless uh, you're like uh Christopher Morell and you just hit a home run every single day and don't yeah, walk and, is, and strike out. But uh yeah, hard, hard to do. It all it all catches it catches up with everyone. Look at yes, Javi Baez. You yeah, know, oh. it, it it catches up with everyone. You want that patience. So so yeah, uh that's the quick not quick, but that's our sort of deep dive into Nolan Gorman. Um if you like hearing this depth of numbers, let us know because uh I personally enjoy like digging into this sort of stuff, but it can get a little stat heavy sometimes. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. Well, we've got more stuff to talk about, but before we do, we want to remind everybody that this show is listener supported. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. If you enjoy the show, have been having a fun time with us throughout the season and want to support the effort that we put into this show, consider subscribing. Uh, Patreon.com slash talking about birds. We have a bunch of different levels with a bunch of silly different things, but every subscriber at any level gets access to the bird score. That's our private Discord server. Uh, it's a great place to be to get away from the noise of social media and spend it with uh, with some other Cardinal fans that you actually can talk to directly and and have a good time with. So it's a cool crew. We're having a great time in there. Would love to get more of you into that uh, room with us. Again, <laughs> patreon.com slash talking about birds. To be clear, it's not an actual room. You don't have to you share. Come to my house. Space with us. Yeah. <laughs> come to my house. I live All near right. the ballpark. Um if uh, another way to support us is to uh, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, it helps. Uh, ben, where else can people find us online? Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. We're on Instagram at Talking About Birds. Uh, you can email us thoughts, questions, musings, uh, production notes, uh, I don't know, jabs at talkaboutbirds at mm. gmail.com. Uh, we are also on Spotify. So if you want to listen to us there when you're listening to music or put us on a playlist uh, to annoy your friends, please do that. We got a TikTok. Follow us there if you want to see our mouths flap around on video. Um, and if all of that is too much, you can go to talkingaboutbirds.com. Once again, that's talkingaboutbirds.com, talkingaboutbirds.com. Not sure if seeing our lips flap around is the uh, is the like promo pitch that I oh, would make. You but, know, um, some of these freaks love that. That's a good point. Sick you know freaks. You <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I think we all can agree on is that our listeners sick freaks. Oh, each oh. and every one of you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting the heebie jeebies just thinking about it. <laughs> we love them, though, don't we, folks? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Who is that directed at? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some other cool things that have been happening. <laughs> um, yeah. How about Tommy two bags? Hey, Tommy two bags. Tommy, Tommy three bags. Tommy three uh, bags. That's my guy right there. That's Tommy my Edmund. son. He uh, perpetually underappreciated Tommy Edmund. I'll never uh, do that again, Nate. Yeah. He's my we'll guy. See. 
He's your guy. We're all in on Tommy Two Bags over here. Yeah. Uh, he he gets in these modes. We saw it last year. I remember Woof. when he first when he first switched over to shortstop and took it over. It, it's just like every once in a while there'll be a, a string of games where it feels like Tommy Edmond is everywhere. Yes, making every fun play all over the base paths. Like he just seems to take over a game. And I mean, last year he had over six uh, Fangraphs WAR. He was one of the better players in all of baseball, and that's what guys like that do. But it seems like he enters these like little dormant periods where he's not bad, but he's not necessarily blowing things up. And then all of a sudden, he's just everywhere. And that's what, definitely what it's been uh, the last week or so. Yeah. Yeah. Over the last two weeks, he's put up a WRC plus of 125. Again, we were just talking about that stat. That's huge with his de- defensive versatility. Six stolen bases. And he has put up more than one Fangraphs war over the past two weeks. That is how hot Tommy Edmond has been. Uh, yeah. Another thing that's really interesting is that he has been toying around with his switch hitting and really essentially if he is facing a right handed pitcher that has reverse splits, meaning that that pitcher ha- uh, allows a-, a little more power or average or whatever it might be from right handed pitchers, he's not going to the left hand side of the box, which I think is extremely smart, especially if one swing is going uh, going better than the other one. Uh, which is typically yeah. true because he is hitting left-handed pitchers, obviously from the right side, 978 OPS on the season right now compared to right-handed pitchers, a 751. So it's a little too early in this experiment to really talk about it intelligently, to really say too much, um, but really, really quick, you know, it's it's only 11 at-bats. He's got a 364 batting average when he's righty on righty. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I do wonder if this... If your swing is just going that well from that side of the plate, maybe you just ditch switch hitting and you just yeah. become that guy. Cedric Mullins has done this. Other other players have done this. It's not an insane thing, but I think think it's something interesting to watch. And I mean, really, it just speaks to his insane athleticism that he can, you know, make these kind of adjustments, you know, uh, from at bat to at bat and, and do everything else he's doing. Switch hitting is such an insanely underrated feet of skill like whether you're even a like consistently successful at it the fact that like so many athletes are spending their entire lives dedicated to hitting well from one side only that you can just like flip around and be even moderately successful from the other side is is truly incredible i can't Uh, do it in my backyard with nobody looking at me i don't understand like i've you know tried just taking a left-handed swing just to Screw around. I don't understand. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I'm a big dumb blob, and I, Tommy if Edmonds you can't a freak do it, athlete. How could anyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but no, I, but I know what you mean. It's yeah. like if I pick up anything with my left hand to do anything, I feel like just like might as well cut it off. I'm so yeah. ineffective with my left arm. Like I don't even type like, with my left hand anymore. I all single. I I type like I always have (laughs) single index finger pointed down wrist straight up in the air. Yep. Each number at each letter at a time. Hunt peck like like God intended. Like (laughs) (laughs) praise be Um, (laughs) Paul Goldschmidt has been. So what I have written here is called Paul Goldschmidt has been boringly dominant. I think that we're almost at the point where we're underappreciating how ridiculously good. Paul Goldschmidt is, um, he is, so, okay, 50 games in, we're at 49 games right now. By the time this episode comes out, we'll be at 50 games. Goldie is already putting together another 
MVP type season. He is, I think, about to close the door on the Hall of Fame conversation. Um, yeah. He's got a higher walk rate than this year. Identical power uh, this year compared to last year. Near identical power numbers. It's still cold. The weather hasn't even really heated up yet. Um, and, and I just think that this needed to be called out. Like Paul Goldschmidt has. He's 35 years old and he is still he just has not missed a beat. If anything, he's gotten better somehow. Just absolutely unbelievable. Not to mention the offensive environment that exists in Arizona as compared to the offensive environment in St. Louis. Yeah, it it's could not be more different um, in, unless he was coming from like cores to Kansas City. I think that like that is the kind of change that we're talking about. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't have anything rational to say other than he just need. We just need to take a beat and recognize how awesome Goldie can be. Yeah, it's incredible. He's essentially repeating his 2022, uh, which resulted in an MVP award. Um, you know, there's it's too early to start discussions on MVP. And right. you've got some crazy performances coming from like an Acuna Jr. and whatnot. But but Goldie is doing what he did last year and and he typically gets better in the summer so uh we should be up for a fun summer i wonder if his walk rate is up too though because arenado was so bad people felt like they were they could maybe skip skip him a little bit more but i don't know who knows um he has already matched his stolen base total from last year with seven um obviously we're just having more stolen bases in, in baseball this year um yeah, he, I don't know. He's just incredible. So I, I was reading and maybe I'll post it. If you have an athletic uh, membership, there's an article about him last year that I didn't didn't see last year, but caught up on uh, this week. And he was just talking about the idea of like changing his exercise routine to make sure that it was basically find his strength weaknesses and all this like crazy advanced bio tele- telemetry modifications that he's making and he apparently to start the season these last two years he's brought out 60 bats and taken swings with them measured the average exit velo and set the slower bats aside for batting practice and marked the other ones the higher exit velo ones as gamer ones like he's just on a level that nobody else is on he's so specific and meticulous and i just love it he's great yeah he good he good. Um, all right, let's talk about the upcoming series. So we have a, a fun match against the Guardians. Uh, uh, everyone loves the Guardians. I always love the Guardians. Fun team, but um, they've been struggling a little bit. What are you I, expecting I was going to say, you know, who doesn't love them right now is Cleveland. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, they just are not scoring runs. Um they they have a, a big time a big problem scoring runs. Their defense is not what it was last year, uh, which you know obviously is a problem. Mike Zunino hasn't been uh, super great for them, um, and I, you know their big kind of quote unquote splash bringing in Josh Bell just has not worked out for them. And they're they're so threading the needle um, that they kind of need deals like that to pay dividends immediately. Um, it doesn't help that Jimenez. Um, Steven Kwan, um, Josh Naylor are all hitting below average right now. Those should all be positive, uh, contributors. And, you know, they, they, like I said, they, they are, the Cardinals are guilty of counting on the best possible scenario. I would say the guardians are the extreme version of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now they still have pitching, um, and pitching that I like, uh, Shane Bieber, you know, we were kind of talking about this, like, and I, I guess I'll kind of transition the, the chat to, you know, there's some people talking about the idea of Shane Bieber to St. Louis. I'm not totally sure how I feel about that with the diminished velocity. He's kind of getting by with smoke and mirrors right now. And it worries me at 28 years old and what his like prospect capital would potentially cost or player capital, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm not totally sold on that yet. Maybe he'll make an adjustment, but anyways, that's a, a long meandering comment to say that the guardians aren't really good right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are a team that can pop off. All those guys you named are expected to be better. So it feels like, you know, at some point the guardians are probably going to go on a run this year and at least play a lot better ball than they are right now. Hopefully not this series against the Cardinals, but it could happen. Jose Ramirez, uh, underrated one of the best players in baseball. Even he has been only somewhere like a mid 800 OPS, which is good for most guys. But for Ramirez, that's a down year. So you never know when this lineup could pop off, uh, but hopefully they can keep it going. I'm sure that the answer is yes, but modern equivalent. Is there a more disrespected potential hall of famer than Jose Ramirez? I know it. it, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't feel bad for him per se, because he obviously is. He's fine. He's fine. But yeah, yeah, he like there is a uh, like he's probably on a Hall of Fame pace now. You know, it it obviously depends on how his 30s go. But one of the best players of the last 10 years that like no one really talks about because of the Guardians uh, lack of general success. Right. It's the standard story of all-star on a small market team, like just doesn't get the love. If he were on any major, uh, major market team, he'd be one of the faces of baseball. Um, so it it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, Uh, so yeah, we'll see about the series. I always like, you know, these, these series though, against these teams that we didn't usually get to see very much. Um, and then after that we have a, they do this every year. It's like, it's such a weird scheduling thing, but we have a two game series against, the Kansas city Royals, uh, the I 70 series. Yeah. Uh, similar to the guardians, although everyone was <laughs> expecting the Royals to be bad this year. Um, the Royals have some interesting players. They are on a path to success, but they're just not quite there yet. Man. Uh, oh man. The team is in a <laughs> rough spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Bobby Witt is great, but you know, he's not, hitting the ball a ton. Um, they've got a bunch of young guys, but just none of it's really coming together. What do you, what are you looking out of the looking to see out of the Royals in this two game set? Yeah, I guess I'm excited to potentially see Zach Greinke and what could be his last time, uh, potentially facing the Cardinals. We'll see how the, uh, how it lines up. Um, but he's having a fine season. Um, uh, Vinny Pascatino. He's a great, post game interview and he hits the ball hard sometimes. I like him. Uh Michael Massey is a second baseman who's supposed to be good, but yeah. hasn't really done it yet. Uh, um Salvador this, Perez, you know. Hey, uh, it's always good to see Salvi hit a bomb against yeah. the Cardinals. He likes to do that. Mm-hmm. But man, this team is rough right now. Yeah, I think you said it, Paul. You know, Bobby Witt, he even when he's not hitting, he is that type of dynamic, exciting player that can steal a base, make a great play. He might have the best arm of any shortstop in baseball right now. I don't know if the numbers back that up, but 
eyeball test is uh, that that is true. They just DFA'd Hunter Dozier, um, which I think makes sense. Um, yeah. MJ Melendez is kind of a fun player. I, I just yeah. like a guy that can play the outfield and catch. Um, yeah. and he's got a cannon arm, but that's a, a skill set that's really exciting. Um, we might see a Roldis Chapman. Uh, Boo. yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a, these are five games that the Cardinals should do well in, right? You know, uh, three against the guardians and two against the Royals, as well as uh, a couple extra days of rest. Like this should be a good week for the Cardinals. Uh, and, and most of the series over the next month are, are like this, uh, especially, you know, we're running through a lot of the AL central, which is bad. Somehow worse than the NL central. So. I know it's wild, but they are the, the AL central is somehow worse. The, um, yeah, let's see the AL central. They have, it's only the twins have a positive run differential right now. <laughs> uh, and, and it's not, what is it? It can't even be that high right now. Uh, not that me. the. You know, not that the Cardinals have. Oh, no, it's pretty good. 223 versus 184. That's that's pretty okay. good, actually. Yeah, They're, that's pretty uh, good. yeah. The, the Twins, well, not that the Cardinals are playing the Twins, but uh, Twins offense is is interesting. Um, yeah. And uh, man, that Joe Ryan. He sure can pitch. Wow. Yeah. It's my, my right. analysis let's, on the Twins. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so let's move on to uh, some league news. What do you got for us? The Cubbies designate Eric Hosmer for assignment. He gone. He gone. Um, in a move that's Whoops. only disappointing because the more at-bats Eric Hosmer soaks up from the Cubs, uh, the happier I, I am. But uh looks like they'll likely hand that job over to full-time to uh, uh, Trey. Uh, uh, oh, my God. I'm forgetting his name. Trey Mancini uh, yes. will likely be the everyday first baseman there. And the Cubs move on. It makes sense. Uh but this is kind of what the Cubs were doing, right? They got some guys hope, hoping they could click, possibly trade at the deadline. Um, I know the Cubs think that they have a fighting chance right now, but I I just just don't. Um, yeah. So there that is. Uh, the Astros have finally been able to activate Jose Altuve. If you remember, his thumb was broken or his hand was broken um, by the uh, uh, Daniel Bard in the WBC by like a 98 mile an hour fastball. Um, Astros drive me crazy, but baseball is better when Jose Altuve is back. So yeah. good for them. They'll, I'm sure, start to roll even more. Y- Jordan Alvarez is going off right now, and I'm uh, sure this will only speed them up. Um, so here come those Astros playing. Tell you what, really good baseball. Good. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, the Yankees have finally decided to DFA Aaron Hicks. Um, I- I'll just say. Well, the deal makes sense. They should have done this, right? Um, Yeah. But I did not see it going this way. Um, But this just tells you, like, injuries and age can really derail someone's career. I mean, this is a guy that was playing a gold glove center field, maybe the best outfield arm in baseball, and popping 20 home runs a season. And he is now, the Yankees are paying him 10 million bucks a year to not be a Yankee. So, just wild. It feels very Cardinals to me, frankly, to have it's like a highly touted outfield prospect that starts to show glimmers of, uh, you know, uh, true breakout and then just basically struggles with the team for three years and then eventually gets cut. Um, but yeah, it, it it makes sense. This is the right thing to do, but um, it is disappointing. He looked like he was going to be a real star. Not that we're rooting for the Yankees, but, you know, you just like to see breakout players. Yeah. And, 
he looked like a really fun player. And and yeah, and toolsy guys are yeah. fun to watch. And then all those tools are sapped away, and you know, here you are. You're getting paid ten million bucks to go home. Uh, I mean, how many? What what a common story! All your tools are sapped away, and you you're <laughs> and you're just stuck being paid ten million dollars a year to do nothing. Yeah, uh, I wish I could pay you ten million dollars to never talk to me again, you dumbass. Oh, dude, it, I like a like ninety nine less of that, and I would take that deal. Really? So like if I, I won I the lottery need... and I give you a million bucks, you would agree to never talk to me again? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's just good to know. Good information to have. Frankly, it could be lower than that. Yeah. 50. Buy, buy me a, like, take me to Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get you a fry and a frosty. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Um, the story that isn't a story. The city of Oakland is now claiming they are close to completing an offer to build a new stadium. There are conflicting reports coming out of Las Vegas. Uh, John Fisher, the idiot owner of the A's, is asking for more and more money from the people of Las Vegas. And I think that I'm going to now take a stand. I, I wanted to bring this up and, and say that I'm not going to talk about this story anymore. Um, and I'm not going to buy anything that John Fisher or the A's or Las Vegas or Oakland says until there is a shovel in the ground on a new site that is not the Coliseum. Um, yeah. But this, as this is unfolded, it seems more and more like John Fisher, the parasite billionaire, is uh, uh, just playing cities against each other. And then obviously toying with the emotions of the Oakland faithful who are, uh, we've said it multiple times, a great fan base who doesn't deserve um, this bullshit. Yeah, they're following the um, Stan Kroenke method, you yeah. know, get the, get the cities to battle against each other and and offer horrible things uh, that make their taxpayers pay for shit. And uh, they eventually get to pick the best deal out of the two. And it sucks. Uh, it's disingenuous. And uh, I think bad for the sport. I mean, a, a team in Vegas. Okay. Let's there's already expansion being talked about. Like uh, Oakland can sustain a team if it's good and has a well, funded stadium which their billionaire owner could absolutely pay for so yeah it's very frustrating yeah and you know what's crazy to me is that the other mlb owners are fine with this and by that i mean this this situation very specifically because what this means if john fisher does move the a's it means that the giants get all of northern california to themselves um, yeah. And then you have the other teams in Southern California kind of fighting each other for their market share. So you're gifting that. You're also taking away the potential expansion fee for a team in Las Vegas, which I think Rob Manfred said that's $1.5 billion. It's some crazy amount of money that I can't remember off the top of my head. Huge number that goes to the owners and, and is split evenly among the other teams. Um, and you would think that Las Vegas would be a city to make that happen and some new owner would come and do that all. So I get it not to mention the fact, sorry, of the third part of this is that the other owners are essentially subsidizing um, the income for the A's with the profit sharing that goes on in MLB with his team running out such a uh, embarrassing roster at, at an embarrassing price right now. So I'm shocked 
And maybe something's happening behind closed doors and these weirdos are all keeping it to themselves. But I'm shocked that the owners are okay with Fisher kind of playing this game around them. Yeah, I assume it's some, you know, capitalist endeavor that it's going to result in like a plus 0.1% revenue gain over that decision. And, right. you know, they're all in their, you know, at the winter meetings, all in their robes holding the orb deciding what you know what city should have teams and what and who shouldn't yeah uh you know before they consume a live goat um <laughs> yeah you know it's standard well how do yeah. you answer a question like that without consuming a live goat answer me that nathan <laughs> yeah you need its wisdom <laughs> uh moving on to a more bizarre story a story that i think hits this podcast uh, close to home. Birds are this dying a, out there. <laughs> this is a direct attack. Birds are dying out there. Zach Gallen earlier this week hit and killed a bird while warming up in the outfield, getting ready and loosened up for his start. Um, the poor bird died on a cur- I believe he was tossing a curveball. Uh, sad story. And then just yesterday, uh, while warming up, uh, or sorry, while Cleveland Guardians Will Brennan, an outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians, Will Brennan was hitting uh, batting practice. A hard grounder smoked a bird on the infield, also resulting in that poor bird's death. And I'm just here to say, leave the birds alone. Shut down. Shut it down. Shut, shut down it the down. League. Yeah. Yeah. Let's feel like this is the opening salvo in a war between humans and birds. <laughs> and that's a fight we don't want. There's a lot of birds out there. I've seen the films, Nathan. We're going to lose that fight. There are. If there's one thing I know, there's a lot of birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are. Um, and, and and much, much more uh, real sad news. Rick Hummel, the commish, uh, longtime yeah. Cardinals beat writer, passes away at the age of 77, apparently dealing with health issues uh, behind the uh, closed doors for a while. Um, but somebody who uh, has been writing about baseball as long as I could read. Um, and you know, longer, longer, yeah, than longer. Um, yeah, Paul, we, we really should have had this. We really should have had this at the top. Like we did with, uh, Mike Shannon. Cause it, in a lot of ways, pretty comparable as far as like tenure yeah. and impact on the team. Agreed. Uh, yeah. By all accounts, a wonderful person as well as, uh, right alongside his, uh, journalistic, uh, yeah. abilities. So, uh, yeah. RIP uh, commish. RIP commish. Uh, and that's all I got for league news. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap this episode up with uh, a little game. One of our favorites this week. We are returning to who is this guy? Who is this guy? And if you have not heard it before, who is this guy? We uh, I have a series of clues here about a person who at some point played for the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Uh, at, at the major league level. That okay. is the one rule. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I will be reading facts about this person to Ben starting uh, very, very vague and getting increasingly more specific after each fact Ben has to guess. And we basically see how many facts we get through before Ben has correctly or does not correctly identify the player. Ben, are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Are you ready, Nate? Oh, uh, I've you're I'm doing always, your, your face I'm, squinch as you look for the right tab. 
Yes. Uh, let me find my uh, tab. <laughs> All right. You don't make any noise, hurt. but that's that's the noise that happens in my head when you do that stupid face. Get through the uh, tabs about the bird army and how many birds there are <laughs> and who would win. And uh, we should record a pro bird podcast in anticipation for the eventual bird takeover. They need to know. Yeah. I'd rather be on their side than fighting them. Yeah, same. Uh, all right, here we go. Opening stat. This player was born on September 5th, 1975 in San Antonio, Texas. Okay, 1975. Um, which would make me think he is likely retired. Um, at this point, actually he has to be retired or it's Rick Rich Hill or something, um, <laughs> who is, but yeah, he has played for the Cardinals, but not in a major league game. He was in the minor leagues anyways. Okay. San Antonio, 1975. Who's from Texas. Can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm not having like a Cardinals, Texas guy mm-hmm. pop in. Um, so I am going to say, man, how can I feel like a um, now, now I'm getting in my head about this. I'm already worried about who the hell is the Cardinals, Texas guy. Um, just for the sake of guessing so I can get more information, I'm going to say Sidney Ponson. No, incorrect. I don't think he's even though. from America, but do you remember Sidney Ponson? <laughs> uh, I, I do, but I have not thought about him uh, in quite a while. He, he just lives in my head all the time. Yeah. All right. This player, next stat. This player, and this is in no particular order, played for the Cardinals, Arizona, the Rays, the Yankees, the Marlins, and the Dodgers. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> could, you, could you repeat that, please? And you said it's in no order? Yeah. Cardinals. Arizona, Yankees, Rays, Marlins, Dodgers. Wow. That is a lot. Um, You did not say Diamondbacks, right? I did say Diamondbacks. You did say Diamondbacks. Okay. I don't think that this is right because I cannot remember all of his teams. But I'm thinking of the age, the Diamondbacks, and I think a cut like the Dodgers... I want to say Dan Heron. That is incorrect. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good guess, though. Did Dan Heron? He definitely played for the Marlins. Did he ever play for the Rays? I, that's what I could not put yeah. together if he was on the Rays or not. I, he was bouncing around there. Yeah. Um, it's a good guess. It's not Dan, Dan Heron, though. Okay. Oh, and you didn't say Oakland. So. That's, no, yeah, I did not that, that wasn't that great of a guess. Yeah. Also, he's from California. So, wow, terrible. Wow, Anyways. never mind. Bad guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the year 2012, the year before he joined the Cardinals, he led the league in games played at the pitcher position at 80. He also oh, shit. led okay. the, the AL in 2010 with 85 appearances as a pitcher. Okay. I might, my era might be off. 
but I want to say Randy Choate. You got it, Randy yes. Choate. Let's yes. go. <laughs> Loogie. Okay. Yep. So they don't I don't like even... that anymore. Well, so here, I'll read you my next two stats and, uh, you know, I'll kind of go into my decision making here. But here was the next stat. If you didn't get it, uh, retired in 2015. And it's a good thing he did because uh, the 2020, the 2020 minimum battle rule essentially rendered his position obsolete. So that would have pointed you directly at Lugie if you hadn't, right. uh, you know, gotten it. And then my final stat was he may not be the Lugie goat, but his name at least rhymes with it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Randy Choate, the Lugie goat. Man. Right. Um, yeah. So I was looking back at like the, the 2015 team. I saw a, a, uh, a little like MLB.com or maybe as ESPN thing that was trying to say like the best teams of, uh, of the since 2020. So the, the best teams of the 21st century. Right. And, um, you know, they're, they're clearly like when you're looking that high level across that amount of time, they were only looking at like world series champions that also had an amazing season, which you would expect that to be. But it did make me think like, what were some of the better Cardinal teams of the last, uh, like of that era. Right. And I was thinking about the 20, 2015 team, which bounced out of the playoffs first round. So they're never going to get looked at like that, but they did win a hundred games. And yeah. it's like, uh, we hadn't seen that from the Cardinals until early to, you know, early two thousands. And so they're like one of the best teams that the Cardinals had in the last 20 years, uh, even though the playoff success was, was not there at all. And I was looking through that roster, just trying to like, you know, remember it and think through it. And it's like, Oh yeah. Randy Choate was a big part of the 2013, 2014 and 2015 run. He was like all over the place. So, uh, yeah, kind of the peak loogie moment in often baseball had every team had a loogie more games played than innings pitched. So yeah, there you go. Nice work, Ben. Randy Choate. I, yeah. I'm kind of surprised you got it that quick. Uh, but nice work. Hey, I'm smart. Um, <laughs> Sam Tui Tui was on that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of blast from the past. Seth Manis, Kevin C. Se- I was thinking yep. about Kevin Segrist the other day. I thought yeah. he was going to be. I well, I figured he'd still be in baseball now, and I don't. I don't think he is even. I don't think he's anywhere. But he was yeah. really, we, really dominant there for a minute. We have a stuffed lion that uh, we gave to that like Lola got uh, right when she was born, which is 2017. And uh, Sam Tui Valala was like still big on the team at that point. So this little stuffed animal's name is Sam Tui Valayan, <laughs> and he's still around. Yeah. So so like Sam Tui Valala like is still still looms large in, in our household. <laughs> Important player. Important in yep. our memories. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this week. Thank you all as always for listening. Uh, again, Patreon.com/slash Talking About Birds. Tell your friends. Tell your moms, tell your dads, tell your grandparents, uh, tell your dogs. Uh, we will be back next week, as always, after hopefully another good week of Cardinal baseball as they continue their climb out of the basement of the NL. Uh, and until next week when we're back, go Cardinals. Chandler Redman is Lucan Bakery. <laughs> Chandler Redman is Lucan Bakery. Chandler Redman is Lucan Bakery. Chandler Redman.
close to um, I was eating pizza with Edie on my lap. Mm-hmm. And I got crumbs at her fur. <laughs> Look out, Edie. He's coming for you next. <laughs> the hunger will not end. This is what happens when you have a fat daddy. Yep. Eat that cat.